Hey, welcome to Dadpreneur Revolution live cast. We are online right now and we are here with our third interview. And I'm super excited to for you to meet this guy and I'm super excited to connect with him also. So this is a man like no other. <laughs> and well, man, is... let's just stop there. That's wonderful. <laughs> Everything has been said. No, but really, this uh, I've been following this guy for for quite some time now, and I continue to be more and more impressed. So this is I will tell you a little bit about John Ruman, and so he's a father and a husband, and he has a huge heart, and that's really what, what comes through with every time I see him, whatever he's doing out in the world is true hard connection coming from a place of integrity and uh, alignment it's really that mm. so with a true dedication of self-mastery and serving others with all that he got so i believe there's always more but i really see him as a man like giving it all and that's super inspiring so he helps others live their life in the front row and a quote that is really inspiring is if you believe that your work can change the world, it's not longer your business, it's your duty. Mm. And Moron is an ultra marathon runner. He runs a social entrepreneur. He's a social entrepreneur running a social foundation called the Front Row Foundation. And it helps people that are, are having life-threatening illnesses to experience having ex extraordinary experiences. And with over, is it 750 keynote speaks? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. So on and on it goes. We could spend our full 45 minutes like <laughs> <laughs> giving the credentials. But it's so Everybody good. Everybody would leave. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for showing up. And I really appreciate you. I'm excited thank about you. this chat. Let's have some fun. <laughs> let's do it. So let's bring, hit it off with something called the Fast Five. So it's basically we... We do a check-in with uh, five quick questions. Awesome. And then it's like the shorter format, and then we dig into the depth of, of and see where we end up. Sounds Let's cool? do this. Yeah. So could you share a surprise that you gave or made for your wife that she really, really loved or that she hated? <laughs> that's a great question i'm gonna have to use that uh in my group um that's a wonderful one a surprise that that i made made or gave okay that, that i made or gave but that she either loved or she hated um man you know i'm gonna give you two stories so one of the stories is that uh, it's a failure right and this is uh so and i share this because i want everybody to know that <laughs> You know, I'm a student and I'm learning all the time. And in the, in the last, we've been together for 13 years, my wife and I. And um, it was, was probably on year two going into three. We had just gotten married. We had a new baby. I had quit my job, my secure, you know, relatively high paying job uh, and started my own business. And, and within a year, I'd spent all of our savings and uh, the next year, I was going into massive debt. And uh, it was a very stressful time in our life. And I was working so hard. Mornings were blending to evenings and weekends were not even existent. And, um, and I will tell you that there was a Christmas that rolled around on year three. And I didn't get her anything. And it was one of those moments where I think I just... Re 
like it was almost a shock to me as it much as much as it was to her that somehow some way I, I just justified that you know I would handle it later I would handle it later and I found myself laying in bed and um, almost like shocked at myself that I had gotten nothing for Christmas and I was just a, a shell of a man you know at that point I had given everything to try to make it work and uh, I know that that was uh, you know that was that was the worst of it and I know that's not exactly what you're asking but I wanted to share that story because I have failed more more times than I care to admit when it comes to wooing my wife. But I will also tell you that there have been some times when I've really hit it out of the park, and I really have done some things that you know were were really a victory. And one of the best ones I believe was that I bought her a ticket to go see Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I don't know if you follow his work, sure, but yeah, yeah. meditation, right? Yeah. And I bought her a ticket to go to his event in Vancouver. And uh, I surprised her with that. And that actually worked out so well that I ended up buying her a trip to go see her friends in Georgia. This is in the US, in Athens, Georgia, in the US. And uh, I surprised her with that. I set it up. I contacted all of her friends. I bought her a ticket and I sent her out of town. So I will tell you the ones where she's been the most pleased has been the ones where I've created adventures for her or experiences for her. And that's where I've won. Awesome. Uh, beautiful to share both of these. Like it's really the, the one or the other is only like the value is created in, in, the, in, in the distance between, in the journey yeah. we're taking. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. watched some movie the other night about some, some billionaire, actually 50 shades of gray, if you've seen those. Like yeah, he's yeah. a billionaire and he buys a beautiful gift. But it's like, what's the thing? Because it's so little effort for this billionaire to buy this, you know, right. the most extraordinary, extraordinary roses. But if you yeah. know the journey of the challenge, you're really doing the effort to do one's best, to really efforting to step up, then it's you pay like, attention. Yeah. Yeah. The best advice that I've I've ever received and that I would love to pass along is really it's not like holidays um, are not the times to be thinking about gifts. You really need to be thinking about gifts all year long. And um, you need to be paying attention to what's important to those people in your life and then making notes of that, right? And keeping a register of like, when they like something, notice something, when something lights them up, you're, you're noticing all year long. And, and that's, the, that's the way to do gift giving at its finest, I think. And you're speaking their love language. You know, some, my, my, for my wife, it's experiences. It's not, it's not material items, it's experiences. She wants to travel the world. She wants to meet people. She's a people person. Yeah. And the world for sure would be very different if we all knew our, our intimate partner's love language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so could you share with me an action, or you spoke about uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, so it could also be a non-action that makes you feel most alive. For me, um, the action that makes me feel most alive is, is actually in alignment with what I've been teaching for the last you know, 14 years, which is a, what we would refer to as like the front row philosophy. It's a life philosophy. And that is that the front row is a metaphor for getting close to the people, places, thoughts, and things that light you up, that make you come alive. 
And so I believe that um, the way to approach life is to get close to all the people, places, thoughts, and things that make you come alive, right? And you can do that in lots and lots of different ways. For me, it's family time is one of the things that makes me feel most alive. I feel most on purpose. I feel most uh, like like I'm really succeeding, right? And we had a podcast interview on the Front Row Dads podcast where we talked about being famous at home. We spend a lot of time trying to be famous around the world or to other people, but like be famous at home. And, you know, even this morning, just literally moments ago, I mean, 30 minutes ago, I was on a bike with my wife and my my 10-year-old son, and we were biking his new route to school. He's going to go to a new school and he's going to be biking to school. And we rode the route together this morning. And I thought to myself, there's so many things I could have been doing to build my business, right? So many things. I could have had calls. I could have been designing. I could have been building. But I was out biking with my family. And I just took a moment and I said, this to me is what makes me come alive. And this is where I feel that I'm at my best. And when I'm on my deathbed looking back on my life, that's the thing I'm going to be most proud of. I will. Uh, it's good. We will dig into deeper to this uh, this shift in a moment. Uh, and speaking about mornings, could you share some about your morning and day and even evening evening routine that keeps you on point? And then we mm-hmm. have the on point. But then we have you know you speak about this like really elevated states. But could you share parts of your routine that keeps you like that on, yeah. so you, you really can perform and, yeah, and be absolutely. I, you know, I, I like routine and I like variety. So I, I like to shake up routines, uh, is the way that I, you know, I feel about life. So, you know, there are some things that I think are staples, but they're not every day. I'm not the type of person that seven out of seven days is going to do likely anything. Um, but there are some things that I try to do more regularly that I believe help me, you know, to succeed. So I'll I'll tell you what I'm doing and I'll tell you what I'm not doing too, because sometimes habits are what you remove right? As much as what you add. So for me, when I think about morning times, um, number one is that I think the first habit that you need to nail is sleep. I think you really need to dial in sleep because if that's not, if that's not, uh, if that's not uh, aligned, if it's not working, if you're not getting enough of it, it's going to be very difficult to perform at your best the rest of the day. So I think sleep is really important. So I'll actually sacrifice my alarm in the mornings at times to get the additional sleep because I know that I'll perform a lot better all day long, right? And so uh, when I am up, my my routine right now is uh, number one, hydrate. And I know it sounds funny, but I put a lot of effort into how I hydrate myself. So like I have co- cold water in the fridge and I have all these fancy water bottles. Look at this thing right here, man. This holds 64 ounces of water, that bottle right there. And I yeah. fill it up with cold lemon water. One of my favorite things to do is I freeze concentrated lemons that I've blended up in a Vitamix and I add them to my water bottle. And then I'll make another water bottle that has maybe some supplements that I use when I'm working out. So maybe like amino acids or um, some Organifi red beet you know, powder or something like that, that I'll put into a bottle that I take to the gym. And then I'm making tea. I make tea for myself. I make tea for my wife. And what's interesting is this ritual of hydration in the morning has become like a really fun thing for me. It's a thing I look forward to, right? And just getting going during the day. And so once I do that, then it's take care of my family, right? It's feed the kids, sit down and do some studying with my, my oldest son and, you know, just connecting with the family. We do a morning circle that mm-hmm. we've been 
experimenting with now where we sit around the table and say, what's your intention for the day? What do you hope to get done? That's been really cool. And then I don't schedule almost any work before uh, 9 a.m. So uh, I hit my, my office, which is in my home about 9. And then during the day, my habit and my routine that keeps me on track is just is being active during the day. So I'll give you an example and I'll show, I'll show you right now, actually. If you're watching, you'll get this. If you're listening, I'll just try to articulate what's happening. So first of all, I'm at a standing desk now, right? So um, I'm always at a, I'm 90% I'm of my day at a standing desk. And then I also have this balance board and uh, I, could, I could actually show it to you. Please. And for the rest of everybody, I'll explain it. But uh, it's this, it's like a circular board about a foot and a half in diameter. And um, it's got like a skateboard material on the top and just a ball and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and almost like imagine like a, uh, a center, smaller area underneath of it and you stand on it and you balance yourself and it works your core. So sometimes I'll do podcast recordings and I'm like standing on the balance plate, right? I've got a, a pull-up bar in my doorway. I've got a rebounder or a trampoline available. And I've got all these things and I try to stay active all day long. So I'm constantly doing push-ups and squats and pull-ups and just being active. I try to take as many calls as I can on walks outside. I try to be as active as I possibly can. And to me, that's a big part of what makes the day work. And the other part of the day is what I don't do is I don't overbook it. I think that people get into trouble when they like in an ideal world, I'm going to do a call here and then a call right after that with no buffer time, no time to breathe, no time to think, no time to like calculate your next move. And so I try to create space in my calendar. And to me, that's a habit that, you know, I'm such a I'm a, I'm a go getter and I want to do so much with life that I have a tendency to overbook and, 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 you know, so protecting my time has been the, the key, not to maybe more productivity, but, uh, but more happiness, more fulfillment, more, more of what I really want, which is a quality of life. Right. And, and figuring out how to get my work done in shorter amounts of time. That to me is the game. And then the evening routine is just always I'm out by of work by 4.30 or 5. And then I try to, you know, I'm always hitting the gym. I'm always getting some type of exercise. So it's either during the day or right after work, typically. And then uh, it's into family. Dinner time, hang out, put the kids to bed. I love to read books. I love to make sure that process goes well because I'm, you know, I'm, I want to get them down to bed because then that's also my time for my wife and I in the evenings to connect and how did the day go? Watch a TV show or or cuddle on the couch or whatever it might be. Go walk the dogs. But that's our evening time and then kind of rinse and repeat. Beautiful. Awesome. I really appreciate this uh, thing. What are you saying to go from the achievement of maximizing to actually pull back and and uh, i'm happy you caught that also because it's like with this alignment i think that's your your routine speaks a lot about that to yeah. connect the deeper heart it's like the i believe strongly that the heart is the much bigger place of intelligence than the head and and to be able to connect there we really need to take deep breath and really connect and yes. not be stressed out if we are here in the lizard brain trying to put out fires we can make a lot of action we can seem really busy but actually nothing, nothing has get, gone done in the end of the day. So I really can see how your routine actually get a lot of important and valuable things done in an enjoyable way. Yeah. Beautiful. And then <clears throat> could you share um, your favorite way to connect with your kids and how this activity make you feel? 
My favorite way to connect with my kids, well, let me answer that two different ways. My, the way that my kids like me to connect with them is by playing Tickle Monster. So Tickle Monster, I cannot believe that they still love this game, that they can't get enough of it. They want to play it all the time. They wanted to play it this morning. They walked into our room. Like, first thing, there was, we were awake for 60 seconds, and my four-year-old is like, Dad, let's play Tickle Monster. And all the game is, is they run... I chase them, I grab them, and tickle them till they pee their pants. And that's the whole game. Like, it's literally like I act like a monster and, you know, and, and I run and I tickle them. And then we, there's variations to the game. And then they're like, now you got to hide and you got to do this. But everything is a result of me. Like, physical touch is really big for my boys, right? They want to wrestle. They want me to, you know, they want me to tickle them. They want me to pick them up. They want me to throw them around. Like, that is, that is a love language for my boys. And so I need to know that, that you know, oftentimes it's like, I'm like, really another game of Tickle Monster? <laughs> like I do, I am so done with Tickle Monster, but I have to just remind myself, this isn't about me. This is about them feeling loved, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I'll just say, yes, for five minutes, let's play and do five minutes of Tickle Monster. And, you know, that satiates the the uh, the the the, uh, the the connection that they're looking for, and then I would say that the thing that I love the most with my boys, man, I, there's so many things I love, but one of them is I love when I feel like I'm being an intentional dad. Like my favorite time with my boys is when I feel like I'm actually doing something that's teaching them a lesson, or that uh, that I'm not doing something because I'm barely surviving, but I'm actually like you know, working to teach them something and help them become men. So as an example, the other day, my boy wanted to shoot the BB gun. And so I have a 10 year old and a four year old and we went out back and they're both wearing glasses and we're teaching them gun safety and they're shooting a BB gun. And, um, you know, and we're not a gun family. Like I don't own any firearms or anything like that, but, but, uh, the BB gun is, is, you know, that's sport. That's, they just, they, they've really been enjoying that, but I enjoyed teaching them responsibility. I enjoyed teaching them how to, um, you know, be aware of their surroundings, right? And even it leads to other conversations. Like my buddy, my boy is like, I want to shoot that bird. And I'm like, Hey, there's, you know, if, if there's nothing wrong with knowing that, like, if you eat any meat at all, if you're a meat eater, you're a hunter, you just might not be actually shooting the arrow or the bullet or killing the animal, but you're part of the hunting process, right? Like, so for them, for their primal nature to want to explore that. And for me to have conversations about how we treat nature and how we treat animals and to be respectful and all those things, all those conversations come up just in a simple act of going out and shooting a, BB, shooting a BB gun. But when I'm engaged at that level, I feel like I'm winning and I feel like I'm, I'm on purpose and I feel good about myself as a man. Awesome. Beautiful. And, um, we, uh, you gave such amazing answers on this in this five uh, five question check-ins. We we'll keep it to four, and then we dig dig a bit deeper. Sounds uh, good. So I'm really curious to hear this. Um, if you could share with me a number one truth or insight that you've had in your life, that if everyone on this planet, or you could also say all men or all dad, yeah. you had had this insight, the world would be a different place. So recently, uh, we had a conversation in our men's group, Front Row Dads, about um, what makes a successful family or a marriage. And there's lots of answers that are great answers around that. Uh, and I believe that one of the most important, hard to say the most important, but a truth, no doubt for me, is about forgiveness. It's just about letting go. 
you know, there's so many strategies about how to collaborate, how to honor someone's love language, how to understand values. And at the end of the day, uh, well, all those can be effective and that you can do all the things that you want to try to live a perfect life where nobody is upset at you and you're not upset at anybody and you're not going to rub anybody the wrong way and you're not going to let anybody rub you the wrong way and all that stuff. Man, at the end of the day, there's just sometimes when forgiveness is the answer. Just go, I forgive. We all make mistakes. Hey, I forgive that person for getting angry. I forgive that person for being messy. I forgive that person for being lazy. I forgive that person for being... And that's not lowering standards per se. I understand the value of high standards. I understand standing up for yourself at times and saying, this is a standard. I'm not going to dip below that. But we also have to be careful that that philosophy left untamed uh, is not healthy either, I believe. That there has to be an element of just, hey, people are doing the best they can with what they have, right? Somebody that grew up in a horrible living situation, who has been hurt by many people multiple times, who had little guidance, who didn't have access to the proper education, who didn't have access to the proper nutrition, who who have suffered, right, in, in many, many ways, you know, Ultimately, you can say, I know why they may behave the way they do. I know why some children who weren't touched at a very young age, who didn't literally have physical touch and love, have, have developed failure to thrive syndrome or some mental disorders as a result of that, right? That they were a victim of those as kids and they're still dealing with those as adults. And so I think that we just need to be more compassionate. We need to be more understanding. Um, yes, have high standards and yes, be good at forgiving. Both need to be true, but I believe that forgiveness and letting go and just moving on, and uh, you know, is is an important skill. Yeah, uh, it m- makes me think about uh, we had the when me and my wife got married, we had an, like an alternative and then like an official kind of priest or ceremony space holder, and she shared uh, uh, wisdom as a blessing to us, and she gave one advice to me and one advice to my to my wife, and. Uh, advice she gave to my wife was never ever criticize your man whatever he does never criticize him uh she's done it but it's actually not many times she's like she's been putting a lot of effort to 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 pay respect to her advice and uh, props to her yeah yeah so i'm super grateful like i think me and so many other men are are very vulnerable to and it hurts a lot to be criticized and the advice that she gave to me was say that you're sorry. Mm-hmm. Like you might not know how you messed up. You might not have realized. But if you notice, if you think like, what's, what's up with her? Just say you're sorry because you, it's quite likely you, you messed up in some way. Yeah. And I also, you know, failed at that many times. But I, I say I'm sorry so many times like, huh, it's probably something in this situation where I played a bigger part than I realized. And by saying that, of course, then it's he, her needing to forgive me, but it's still in, in the same space of, of, of interaction and in, in, in allowance and, and not you know, pushing, but allowing the other one to expand. And yeah. I find it very liberating also. Yeah. Well, you know, interestingly on that subject, um, you know, and, and the power of forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry, is one of the things we need to demonstrate in front of our kids a lot. 
right? So I'll give you an example. This morning, this is such a ridiculously small thing, but it's a big thing for me. There's this lid from a pan that's been in our garage for four months now, and it needs to go back to this other family. And I finally just had my breaking point today. And I'm like raising my voice to my wife in front of my 10-year-old. And I'm just, I'm raising my voice saying, we have to get rid of this thing. Like, get it to whoever it has to go to. I will mail it. I will drive it. I will literally hire somebody to take it to whoever it has to go to. I'm so sick of looking at this lid, right? And I kind of lost it, right? Because I've been looking at this lid for four months. Well, I then came back downstairs like five minutes later and I grabbed my wife by the hand and my son by the hand. And I very calmly just said, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry for raising my voice. And I said, I love you both. I said, I just want you to understand that like to me, um, the way I'm wired is that this really bothers me to have these incomplete things, these things laying around this clutter. Like it's, it's in my DNA. It's kind of how I was born. And uh, I don't think that I'm right. I don't think you need to be like me. And I'm not trying to blame anybody, but what's bubbling up inside and my intensity comes from my own personal frustration. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. And I just want to own that. And I just want to say, I'm really sorry. So you, what you just saw was not me being angry at, at anybody. It was me being angry at me for not getting this done earlier, right? Not handling it. Well, an hour or so later, my son kind of blew up about something relating to school supplies, right? Like that mom was going to take back something that he really wanted to keep. And But what I watched was I watched my son walk over and almost exactly as I did an hour or two earlier, he walked up to my wife and said, I'm really sorry. Here's what's really going on inside my heart. I really just want to be cool in front of my friends at school. And uh, I'm if you take back the supplies, I'm not going to be cool in front of my friends at school. And that makes me sad. And I was just like, now, whether or not I had anything to do with that, he might've just been an awesome kid on his own without dad's influence. But I got to believe that me leading the way with owning why I reacted the way I did allowed him to do the same with mom. And that was really good. If we were, if we were uh, really lie right now, I would give you a really proper high five. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. It's so inspiring. It's, it's these small things that are that I believe is really everything. And it takes the pressure totally. to be there. Like, I bet a lot of other guys did the choice of, you know, running their business far away or, or putting in the hours and, and grinding all for good, also doing their best. Yeah. But they would not be there and not done the first or the second thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a it's big, about a... like leading from the vulnerability and like from really showing totally. up as, as, as I see myself i had a shift some years ago from like really like always been trying to be my best and then i realized but i'm just a messed up pile of molecules that is trauma <laughs> yeah and and that was such a blessing it's like and, and so are you and so is my wife and my kids like we're all messed up yeah and we have this history and i'm doing it wrong all the time and so is she and so like thought, yeah yeah but from this place of mess we're really putting in our best effort and it's like yeah. wow that's yeah. so beautiful that's so <laughs> yeah. it's like i can only pay respect and gratitude to that effort because yep. it come from that that we all do from from our parents from our journeys from our fears and all these things and then we're here that's yeah. me yeah yeah exactly good stuff man i like that yeah so the front row movement i'm really really super excited about that so could you share 
some like both mindset shifts and practical shifts that you see need to happen to allow a man to go from say first a business guy with the, with the family to a family man with business and I'm so glad you said that. the place of, of 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 you know shifting up going to from to really going to the front row yeah it's happened yeah i mean this is this, this is all a choice you know this is a uh, this is one of those moments where somebody's going to have to be ready to take the leap forward and uh, i know that i can just be out there with my own personal thoughts my own personal opinions if they resonate with somebody awesome so many times other people have stepped up shared their thoughts shared their feelings and opinions about life and their words became my words their beliefs became my beliefs because they said something and i'm like yeah wait a minute i've been feeling that but you just said it in a way that i get it now right i just could never put it into words or i couldn't quite wrap you know that into a short statement the the one that you just said is the one that resonates with guys the most right it's like are you a businessman who happens to have a family on the side or are you a family man who has a business. And I realized that for years, for the first six years of my son's life, I was a businessman who happened to have a family. And uh, when I, my, my awakening happened at, a, at, a, at an event where somebody was asking me what I did. And I know what they were asking. They were asking what I did professionally. And I started to answer what I did professionally. I'm a speaker, I'm a coach, I'm an author, blah, 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 right? But I cut myself off and I said, wait, I said, actually, I'm a dad and I'm a husband. And when I'm not doing that, I do some other stuff. <laughs> and I said it and they're like, that's the coolest. That's the coolest answer to that I've ever heard. And I said, that answer actually feels the best of any answer I've ever given about that. And what's also cool about that is it's not like you try to build yourself up to be some you know, super special person with like this big bio that you're trying to reveal humbly to this person, you know, in front of you. But it's like, no, like the thing I'm most proud of is I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a father. And then I do some other things. And actually, it's quite intriguing. They're more interested in like, well, okay, so that's awesome, by the way. I love that. Tell me about your family. And now what else do you do? And they're even more intrigued about what you do, uh, which is really cool. But when I walked, when I went home from that, I said, look, while that felt right, that is not how I've been living my life. I've been living my life like I'm a businessman who happens to go home to a family for a couple minutes. And I said, that's got to change. My calendar did not, did not scream family first. I always said it like family's most important, but my time and my calendar did not reflect that. And so I decided to make some changes. And one of the big changes I made was that, I'll give you an example. My for years as an entrepreneur, so I've been an entrepreneur since I've been 18 and I'm 44 now. So for my entire, let's call it at 20s and 30s, I had trained myself that my best hours of the day, my my the ones where I was most awake, most aware, most ready to work, needed to do my hardest work possible, like for work, for my business. I needed to tackle the biggest, toughest, most difficult things. I needed to write a book during those hours. And those hours for me were morning hours. I wake up, I get going, I need to get right into it, right? Those are my best hours. So I always would say to my wife, those are my best hours. I need you to handle the kids. I got to go, I got to do work because I'm the breadwinner of the family, right? So I need you to handle the kids. The problem is she's terrible in the mornings. 
She's not a morning person. She hates mornings. So she'd be fighting with the kids, resentful of me that I'm not around, even though I'm, I'm making money for the family, I'm still absent as a dad. And so finally I said, I'm gonna, if, if family is first, why don't I give my family my best hours? Why does my family get uh, the rest of me and not the best of me? And I said, I'm gonna change that. So I'm gonna start spending time every morning with my family. I'm not gonna schedule anything before nine or 10 a.m. on most days. And that's exactly what I did. I started driving my son to school. I started to get more involved in breakfast. I started to get involved in the morning huddle and all that stuff. And my business grew. It did not suffer. Although I was prepared for it to, it did not suffer. It actually grew because I felt better about myself. I felt more in alignment. People, I had more respect from those who knew me and worked with me for what I was doing. So I think that's the answer. I don't even remember what the original question was, but that all felt right. <laughs> it, it was for sure better than, than right, better than the answer. And so there, we have these different stages. Uh, we, I believe there is a lot of guys that are unaware about this leap, about this shift, that not aware that they can go to put family first in that way that you're speaking. Like it's a yeah. really high level. And then we have guys that, you know, are problem aware, like, yeah, I'm not enough. And then we're guys that I want a solution and they come to, to you, for example. Yeah. Uh, but what do you see are the, like the, what needs to happen for guys to take, take level up? That was the question. Good question. <laughs> what needs to happen? What's the, sh I mean, one is an awareness. Like there's no doubt that once you're aware of something, you're going to do something about it. Like, let's say right now there's, if, if there was somebody in my house that was robbing me and I was unaware of it, I wouldn't do anything about it. But if I actually knew that somebody was here, right, robbing me, I would, I would put this on pause and go handle that because I'm now, I'm now aware of it. And when we say enlightenment, that's what we're actually talking about. The lights are now on. You're not stumbling around in the dark. You are, you have lights on. And you could do something. So part of it is just being willing to admit, being willing to take a look, being willing to acknowledge, you know, this isn't to beat yourself up. This is just say, what do I want and where am I? And how do I close the gap between where I am and where I want to go? Right? So part of it is awareness. The second thing is if you want to make a shift or change in anything in your life, my opinion is you need a group of people to get around because we are social creatures. Even if you're an introvert, we, we, are, we are tribal people, right? We need a tribe. So we need people around us that will help hold us accountable, that we can work together on problems. So even introverts, right, rely on a community on some level. And so for me, when I came to the realization that I was not performing at the level that I wanted and I wanted to be a front row dad, I did what I knew how to do. I got 30 of my friends together. We had an event. Three days, we got together and we said, look, let's all share what's working at home and what's not. Where, where are you crushing it? And we can all learn from you. And where are you getting crushed so that we can all help you? And that is where we, where it was our first event was October, 2016, 30 guys got together in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, in the U S and we were ready to level up our game as dads. That was the whole thing. Level up your game as a dad. And it quickly turned to also level up your game as a husband because we realized that in order to be a great dad, we had to be a great husband. So we put as much energy, if not more energy, into marriages as we do actually being a dad because when we are at our best as husbands, we are also being great dads in that moment. 
So that's what we do. So step one is awareness. Step two is community. And then once you're in a community, step three is like what most of us do is we start implementing one change at a time. We take one area of life and we hone in on that. So what we do is once a month, once a year for our retreats, for our monthly calls within our membership group, we focus on, on five pillars of front road ads. We focus on you know, vibrant health, emotional mastery, a thriving marriage, intentional parenting and integrated living, which is like, how do we balance work and family life? So you pick an area and you say, what do I want? And then how do I get there? And you source it from other people who are doing well or that have traveled down that road and you start experimenting like anything else, like all of our businesses, that's how we win. But that's how we win at home too. So we have... Uh say for one issue I experience I hear from guys is the lack of confidence. I experience that myself also sometimes sure. like I don't know how to handle my kids. Like my daughter is freaking out. It's like, what should I do? Yeah. Why is not my wife here? And it's the same with my wife. You know, my wife in the start of moon, I don't know what to do. Uh, and, uh, and some days like I'm on, you can throw anything at me. It will bounce or yeah. I will, I will hug it, you know? Um, but do you have any, thoughts you can share about how to support guys in raising their confidence like actually sure. you know i matter what i do makes a difference yeah. and how to well think about this in, in any area of your life right where where have you once been not confident and then felt confident in anything think about like your life any sport was it a musical instrument was it a school was it an like an academic piece like where in your life did you move from not being confident to confident I mean, many, uh, business, marriage, uh, kids for sure, community, social life. So pick one specific example. Tell me, tell, me a, tell me a short story about a time when you moved from not being confident to confident. <sighs> you didn't know I was going to flip the interview on you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay. So, so a recent story is about... Uh, sex and my wife th th those two in combination <laughs> she's the only one I i'm having sex with but it was to ha i was in um, a space in my life where i wanted something came from a place of pain and i came from a place of desperation and she rejected me and she did it hard and it was super painful i felt like shit. i felt unworthy and uh, we had a lot of conversation about it like when you're like this is not how we want life to be uh we we both know that this is an important part of our life and uh what, what happened was that i brought it home just like what what do i have to offer her what was like what is the point with me having sex with her why would she want want to have sex with me what's good about me and uh you know it's a practice i still do and i, I connected to myself like what is my gift what is the the, the value that you know shines her world up how do i blow her away and i i started to connect to that deeper and deeper and it took maybe it took a couple of months and then we said like okay we, when practicing this like we're only gonna make love on a level of 10 or she's <laughs> open on a level of 10 yeah. like 100 i'm here i want you if not it's not gonna happen and it was my suggestion i like i'm so stupid <laughs> but really that that has shifted so much because like i know i have to show up and i want to show up fully yeah there's no question about that and many times i'm not there 
But that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. What can I learn from this? And a big shift in this that rejection has been so painful in my life from you know from my father from a lot of people when growing up from employers and all these kind of things and especially from my wife and now i see rejection is the biggest gift she can give me mm. that's her biggest blessing she can give me so i went from being afraid don't reject me to like come on reject me i will grow and i will mm. come become better from that yeah so my 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 you know the foundation has changed a lot so through that, it's a foundation that I only can win in this framework. I actually yeah. can't lose in it. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, part of what develops confidence is a shift in our perspective on things, right? So sometimes just talking it out or thinking it out. Sometimes in order to build confidence, we just need more thinking time, meditating time, silence time, right? To be able to learn the things we need to learn so that we can move forward. Um, and th we really spent some time dissecting the story that you just shared. I'd be willing to bet there's other elements of that that got you to where you wanted to be. There might have been a friend element, right? Going and talking to somebody. There might have been a book that you read that gave you some confidence or some information. Yeah. But somehow, some way, there is a series of things that oftentimes shapes our confidence. One, it's the right group of people that we're surrounded by. Right. That's one. Number two, it's the information that we're getting. Man, if we like it, let's use let's use marriage and let's use sex as an example. OK, because two years ago, my wife went on a place where I didn't even know if we were going to make it. I thought we might get divorced. And um, what happened was I had a I had a discovery. Um, I had a breakthrough that if I got divorced, I played this out. If I got divorced, what would I do? And I was like, oh, I'd probably buy a new car. I'd go get some new clothes. I'd probably start hitting the gym more. And if I dated somebody, I'd probably take them out on these epic dates and I would get super creative and do all these things to win them over. And I'd be funny and charming and right. I'd be adventurous and all these things. And I'm like, but wait, why am I not doing those things for my wife, <laughs> the person that I've committed my life to? Why can't I just go get new clothes or go to the gym or right? Like any of those things, right? And and it's it's interesting because I went back to that and said, it's exactly what I'm gonna do. Flew her to New York on a shopping trip, got some new clothes. I started hitting the gym. I quit drinking actually as like part of my health plan. I did all sorts of things. And, and then I got a book. Uh, this is a suggestion, guys. This is an action item. A book called She Comes First. Hmm. And basically the premise is make sure your wife has an orgasm before you do. Like one of the biggest screw ups for guys is they don't realize that you can be ready to have sex at, in like 60 seconds. And then you could have an orgasm in like 60 seconds, right? That's so guys could they can move fast. Hmm. Women are not ready fully for you to be inside them, sometimes for like 20 to 40 minutes. It takes women 20 to 40 minutes to get fully aroused. And if, you, if they're not fully aroused, it doesn't feel good at times, right? It's actually painful for them. It actually is uncomfortable. They don't want to have sex with you, right? So the thing that I realize is this, and I, by the way, I'm assuming I can get really specific on this show. Yeah, I'm, definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. We have, we have to pay attention because I think you have another meeting in three minutes. Is that true? I do, I do, yeah. 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 So we have so to- So here's what I'll say, my final, my final thought on this is, yeah. I made a commitment. This is a bold commitment that I said, I'm going to make sure that my wife has three orgasms before I, ha before I have sex with her. Three orgasms. 
And I will tell you that she went around and started telling all of our friends that I'm a sex god after that. <laughs> but what's funny is that, you know, you read a couple books on the subject, you get your shit together, you step up as a man, you stop being selfish, you take care of your woman, you show up powerfully, not to dominate, but that powerful presence, and you will win her heart back. And even if it's been lame for the last 10 years, you can have the best sex, you can have the best relationship starting this year. Word. Thank you. Uh, can you share uh, where do you want people to connect to you? Where is the best place? Frontrodads.com. Frontrodads.com. That's the place. And I love what you're doing, man. So listen, I think whatever community you're in, wherever you're going to get information, just surround yourself with great people. Just find a tribe that you resonate with. Uh, ours is for high-performing entrepreneurial men who want to be family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. And so frontrowdads.com is the website. Front Row Dads is the podcast. And we would love to talk with anybody. And, we would, uh, and we're grateful, by the way, for this conversation. And I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you so much, John, for coming here and sharing all your wisdom. And there are so many more questions. So we'll see if we get it on another time. Thank you so much. And for we'll you, do round two. <laughs> yes. And for you listening, thank you so much for joining us at Dadpreneur Revolution podcast with John Ruman. And I wish you a beautiful time with your kids and family and business. And let's step it up to the next level and fulfill your potential. Thank you. Have a beautiful time. <laughs>